0: I hate spreadsheets, but, you know, I live in spreadsheets. This is what I do in my world. And, you know, I'm not an accounting person, but I have to be, I have to know my numbers. So that was the time that I really focused and I got that stuff done. And then when my models were open, I knew I had to have reactive time for my salespeople. That's, that was my time to be in the field. That was my time to answer those phone calls and to help them with challenges they were having. And then again, about five to seven in the evening, as things started to, to get quieter in the model centers, that's when I could wrap everything up, plan my day for tomorrow so that I could start strong again or finish up whatever project work I didn't get finished in the morning. And I knew that, you know, 10 to 10 to 5, you're also going to have your, your meetings with your, uh, with your, uh, your teams. You're going to have, you know, all those corporate meetings that you have to have as a manager. And so this, this works no matter what your position is. So you just maybe your hours are different because of when you have to be proactive, and when you have to be reactive.
1: Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman.
2: We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related,
1: all from different perspectives. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Building Perspective. This week we are we are in what season two, episode four. I'm going to mess one of these up one of these days since we've changed seasons. I can't keep it all straight. Uh, I I don't even know what day of the week it is, much less what episode we're on. But. Off we go, and I'm super excited to start this episode with one of our very special friends and guests, um, and my co-host as always, I have Molly here with me. Molly, say hi.
2: Hello, everyone. So we are so excited today to welcome Kimberly Mackey to Building Perspective. So if you're in the industry, you definitely know Kimberly Mackey. I mean, you're involved in everything. You um, you know everyone. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I can't believe we haven't had you on yet. So we're so, so happy to have you here. Um, and before you get into a little bit of your background and who you are, I just want to say I have so much respect for you. I, I look at what you do for our industry and how involved you are. And I just, it inspires me. So I just, I want you to know that that is seen and you are very, very appreciated.
0: Wow. Well, thank you very much.
2: So what I would love to do is have you start by telling us just a little bit about you and your company, your background, just give us a little snapshot.
0: I'd be happy to. So, th- and again, thank you guys for having me on. And I know I've had you on a couple of the programs that uh, that I work on, and I pre- always appreciate your wealth of information that you share. So uh, it's fun to be on with, with both of you. Uh, again, I'm Kimberly Mackey, and my company is New Home Solutions Consulting. Uh, I'm based out of Sunny Tampa, Florida, so that's always fun, um, especially in the winter time when everybody else is buried in snow. So I love snow. I love to look at it on Facebook from here. Uh, it, it's much prettier. I don't, I don't, I don't get to see all the gray nasty anymore. So I moved, uh, I moved from Tennessee years ago, and and haven't looked back. Um, I am a sales and marketing management consultant, and I stress the word management. Uh, I do outsource sales management. Um, I get involved. I'm more of an immersion consultant, and I like to say that I'm the person who um, comes in to make sure that sales is the engine that drives the train instead of running it off the tracks. So, And right now, sales are running off the tracks. Uh, It's a crazy time in our industry, so it's a very busy time for me and Uh, Probably one of the weirdest I've seen in my uh, gazillion years in this industry. So uh, I am very involved, as Molly said, in uh, NAHB and uh, my state and local uh, association. And, you know, this industry has been really good to me. Uh, I fell in love with it uh, many years ago. We don't even want to go into how long ago that was. Uh Uh, I kind of fell into it by default. And then I just I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I get to help people build home. You know, the place that they're going to live and they're going to raise their family and security and and build wealth for themselves. And, you know, it's literally, it sounds cheesy, but it's literally the American dream. And it just, it, it, it I just fell in love with it. So um, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. As some of my friends have said, they're like, is there anything in the industry you haven't done? And I haven't, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. So I've built homes. I was a director of um, construction, not because that's what I set out to do, but because I was selling so many homes, we couldn't build them. So And they kept firing my director of construction, so I became the director of construction by default for a while so I could keep my homes moving. Um, because otherwise, they told me to lay off my sales force, and I decided that was not that's an acceptable solution. So, um, so I've done a lot of the parts and pieces behind, so I'm good at putting the puzzle pieces together and understanding how sales can impact the rest uh, of the company. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. What, uh, what else can I tell you guys?
1: I want to know, you said, did you say you were originally from Tennessee? I am. Well, my wife grew up in Johnson city.
0: Oh, my husband's from Johnson city. His father was a professor at ETSU.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: Yeah. Um, so he's retired now, but yeah, I'm from Etowah.
1: My wife's uncle was also a professor at ETSU.
0: Oh, that's so funny. I wonder if they know each other.
1: It was, uh, his name, he, he passed, uh, er, late last year, but his name is Jim Lawson. Um, and my father-in-law was the purchasing director at ETSU. So there you go.
0: <laughs> wow. What a small world. So yeah. So yeah. So my father-in-law is Dr. John Anderson, who was uh, head of kinesiology. So.
1: Wow. Interesting.
0: Very cool. And he's been retired for years, but, uh, that's really cool. What a connection. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Sorry, Molly, go ahead. I had, to, I had to ask about the Tennessee thing.
2: Very cool. So for, you know, one of the things that I think differentiates you and what you do for builders is really how hands-on you are. I mean, you really, that visual of the puzzle pieces is like a perfect visual for you. Um, and you're also that hands-on when it comes to the actual industry. So you are the current NSMC chair. Is that, did I get it right?
0: You did. Yes. After um, the International Builder Show this year, it's officially my year as the National uh, Sales and Marketing Council chair. So um, I've been in the, uh, the ladder for that for about three years. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun and I get to meet really cool people like you. You said, I, I know a lot of people why well, it's because of my involvement through the industry and through NAHP that I get to meet everybody and, and uh, make great
2: friends. Yeah, I would love to talk a little bit more about that. Like how you got involved, what that path looked like just because I have always found it a bit intimidating um getting involved, not knowing where the right place to get involved is. So, um what what do you do in that role and and what was your path to getting there?
0: You know, I can see that. It's uh, it's a confusing um association, so and it's a, li- a lot of the stuff takes place behind the scenes. Uh, so it is. I, I found the National Sales and Marketing Council even more confusing than anything else. But I started at my local, and I'm fortunate to have a really strong local association with the Tampa Bay Builders Association. And I got involved because of the educational component. I kept asking, um, even though I was winning all these awards selling, I was like, there's got to be some training for this. It can't be just here's the keys, Mackie, go sell something. And they kept saying, well, you know, the only place you're going to get training is the association. So why don't you go and uh, get your certified sales profession? So I did that. And then I wanted to get my CMP, the certified marketing professional. And then I got all of my IRM training and and I just kind of became addicted to all of the training that was involved. Um, I started serving on my local sales and marketing council, went up the leadership ladder there um, on. I'm a life director uh, at the local association Uh, And then I got involved at the state level Um, and we have in Florida, we have a, a, the Florida Sales and Marketing Council, where I think we're probably the only state that still has a state association. Uh, So I got involved with that and got to work with people around the state and uh, very active in the Southeastern Building Conference. I ran the um, sales rally in 2011, 12 and 13, which were great years. Uh, but they were actually really uh, a lot of fun. So we brought in a ton of speakers for the, for the industry. And we'd have about 350 people who were seeking education for that. So I got to see it from both sides. And then I just graduated to the national. And I think because I did that progression, it made it a little easier. Um, it's not a fast thing. It's something you do over years and years. And, you know, if you're looking to get in and and immediately get gratification and, Uh, recognition from working at the association. It's not going to happen. I'm here to tell you. Um, But everybody can get involved at some level. So just pick something. Just pick something, whether it's your local parade of homes, whatever it is, get involved and just work at it. And and, And do it in a spirit of giving. And don't worry about what you're getting because you'll get more than you ever give, but only if you approach it from what can I give back to the industry?
2: Yeah, I love that. Cause you did start by saying, I love the industry. And that's the key is like you, it starts from a place of love and giving and helping the industry be better. So um, I, you know, I always, I, I always like to know how how that started. And I, um, for me, you know, I went to my first springboards, is that what it's called for NHB? Yeah. And yep. I remember I just sat and listened because you're exactly right like so much is happening and so much is going on and you don't go and automatically need to have your voice you just need to go and and experience the conversations and see what's happening and and go from a learning perspective.
0: And I did that for about a year when I went to NAHB maybe even a little bit longer before I ever started before I even put in. So every October Uh, We open up for anybody who is a member can put in to serve on any committee or council at the national level. Uh, I recommend if you're going to do that, you reach out to somebody like me. You reach out to somebody who's already serving and identify yourself and say, hey, I want to step up. I'd like to join. I want to I want to be part of this and let us help you by sponsoring you so that people know uh, know, who you are and and the, the gifts that you can bring to the industry and um, we'll write a little record a letter of recommendation you can put who's sponsoring you for whatever position and uh, you know there are openings every year uh, particularly for builder members ironically uh, since it is a builders association but we need more builder members to serve and there's just there's so much that builders can get out of this my co-chair is a builder out of Tulsa John Madden uh, with John Madden Homes out of out of Tulsa and you know, he's, he's amazing. It's incredible. And I, I seek his counsel regularly. Um, so it's just, it's a really, it's, it, it's, it's a, a really cool thing when you can collaborate at the national level and see how all of us working together, what we can do to benefit everybody.
2: I love it. It's so inspiring. Um, another thing is you are such a planner. I mean, I, I, I saw that you already know what your next position is going to be uh, through NEHB and S- NSMC. So, you know, how do you plan that far ahead? How do you know? And I, you might have already answered this a little bit with its years of doing it and being a part of the conversations, but I know that that planning is a big part of how you operate your business as well and and being organized and planning and, and um, looking forward, which is why we have our title Looking Forward. So I think it's a part of who you are, not just your role with NEHB, but also in your business and how you operate.
0: Well, I think none of us start a business, go, I'm going to do this for five minutes and then I'm done, or I'm only going to do it for a year. Um, it's, um, you know, I think we do have to be strategic if we want a long-term success with our business. And I, I do have goals, you know, for myself, not only for, um, each week, each month, um, through, you know, for, for the year, for the, for five years, for 10 years. And I think that's, I think that's important. And I think NIHB teaches you or any association, uh, does teach you patience because nothing happens overnight, particularly when you do things by committee. <laughs> so committee work is hard and can be frustrating. And I think you have to have very realistic goals for what you can get across the finish line. So that's a long way of saying that, uh, yes, I have done it for for years. Um, you, you have to be appointed at the, NAHB. They, do, um, they don't do elections for these positions. Uh, so you're appointed by the executive officer, and I've I've uh, been fortunate to work uh, Chuck Falk, who is took over last year, uh, and uh, is the chair chairman of the board this year is obviously out of my home association, um, and I was fortunate enough to, for him to recognize my um, uh, longevity in the National Sales and Marketing Council. So three years ago he appointed me, so this is the year that I would then serve for that. Um, and Alicia Huey, who I know through the Professional Women in Building, and I just think the world of. I mean, she's just so amazing. And um, she tapped me and said, "Hey, I want you to get involved at the Associates." Um, so there'd been some other people who tapped me and said, "Hey, Associates could really use some some more organization, a little bit uh, more influence on the, from the sales side and the positioning and and all of that. And we'd like you to get involved over there." So I've spent a couple of years chairing and co-chairing committees and then they tapped me, Alicia tapped me for that. So you know, it is, it's years. So, and then it's a three-year commitment to go up the ladder to then chair it. So, you know, it's not something you take lightly. And if you're doing it just to build your resume, uh, it's, it's not worth it. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but it is worth it when you get involved and you see that you can make a difference.
2: Yeah. And, it's obvious to see that it's a major time commitment at your level. So you're putting in all this time and, you know, dedicating to making the industry better. And that is a great opportunity for us all to learn from you. So like, how do you manage time to be able to give that much back to the industry?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm fortunate that I do have a team behind me. So that's helpful. Um, so some of my accounts, you know, have the have an account manager. Particularly my Berkshire Hathaway, where I run the builder relations program for them, which I've been doing for 11 years now. Um, I have somebody who runs the day to day for that, so that frees me up to do the other things, um, and I time block. Um, So it's pretty old school and, you know, it's not about using a particular app or this. I mean, I use a calendar. I use my Outlook. I'm I am addicted to Outlook. I can't break it. I can't go to Gmail. Uh, It drives me insane. I do have Gmail um, for business, but I just and I've worked with clients that, you know, I had to be totally on Gmail for them and it just makes me insane. I can't break the, the Outlook habit. Um, because the calendar function and the task function to me, just it keeps me on the straight and narrow. Um, I've, I, have It's been a challenge, I will tell you, with this whole pandemic. I mean, I was used to being on the road two to three weeks out of the year, I mean, out of the month. Um, and so now that I'm here, one day does kind of drag into the next. And urgency has seemed to not be as, as much like, oh, well, I can do it tomorrow, you know. The time blocking, that's what keeps me That's what keeps me on track. And whenever my time blocks get out of whack, I find my productivity goes down. Um, so
2: tell me more about time blocking. Just because I, you know, are you talking about, like, managing your calendar and literally planning out your day? Like, what does that actually look like for you? So I actually
0: have a spreadsheet that I have graphed out. And I color code because I like pretty things. Uh, so... And I learned, here's a little trick that I learned with it. So instead of using the actual blocks or the grids in, the, in Excel, I actually create text boxes. And I put in whatever the thing is. And the reason I do it with a text box is now when my week goes out of whack, like last week I was literally tied up for four days doing six-hour Zoom trainings. So obviously anything at my day job had to like shift to after after that. And all the stuff that I still had to get done shifted till after I was through training, which was tough because I was exhausted after six hours on Zoom. I mean, Zoom, there, Zoom fatigue is a real thing, people, I'm telling you, especially when you do that. Um, but so I can take those text boxes and I shift them around. I don't have to like retype it or cut and paste or worry about any uh, uh, reformatting. I just move those, slide those text boxes around. And that way I can visually see, okay, what do I need to do? What are my big chunks of things that I need to get done? And these are the things that are, uh, they're, they're my proactive time. And I make sure I get that proactive time in before my reactive time. So I'm always available for different things that people need from me or projects that I'm working on where I need to react. I need to be able to react to my clients and whatever crisis or challenge comes up for the day or the phone calls or the text messages or, you know, any of those things that any of us have. So I actually time block that part in that that's my reactive time. And then if I am, I'm working on a project and I don't, and I don't have to react to anybody, then I, you know, I can get a project done during that time. But uh, onsite salespeople, I coach them to their floor time should be reactive time, right? So the time they're going to meet with customers, the, the the time they're going to have to manage their pipeline, um, especially right now, it's more pipeline management than it is uh, walk-in traffic management. Um, you know, all of those things, like block out that time, that's your floor time, that's your reactive time. And then the time to get your projects done, your paperwork done, to do all of the reporting and all of the things in your planning, that's got to be your proactive time. And you got to set that aside. That's got to be before you go on floor time or after maybe you're like, maybe your energy is higher in the evening. So I have two bursts of energy during the day and it's usually from, from about eight to 10 in the morning is like my big energy time where I can just like really focus and button down and get things done before the phone starts ringing. And then in the evening as people are settling down, so like between five and seven um, then, so I know that that can be, so that's four hours a day that I can dedicate to projects. And then the rest of the time, then I can have meetings, I can do my coaching sessions, and I can meet with, I can have my association meetings.
2: Yeah. So so I want to stop right there because to me, this is a golden nugget because proactive versus reactive. I tend to have the mentality that we don't want to be reactive. We want to be proactive, proactive, proactive. And it has never occurred to me to manage your reactive time. Um, you're, you, you know, you manage the things that you can be proactive about. So you have the time to, for the reactive, uh, tasks that you have in your day. And that's, that's really interesting because I've never looked at it that way. I've str-
0: when I got into this industry, I struggled with how much reaction time I had to have. And I felt a bit out of control. And as you might can tell from my personality, I'm a little bit of a control freak, so this was my way of figuring out how to control the chaos or manage it. And I, if I couldn't control it, at least I could manage it and try to contain it a little bit because otherwise I was just exhausted. I just felt like it was just take, take, take all the time. And I couldn't ever get ahead of it, you know, and this way I can be ahead of it. And most of the time, I mean, not all the time, certainly, uh, and, you know, it's so it's just my way of trying to balance it out. And obviously every day is a new day to start over. So some days I'm more successful than other days.
1: Yeah. I, and and Kimberly, I think that it's really, really insightful and super smart to teach that reactive and proactive time. I really like the like put the reactive time on your calendar and I, from what I see, what I've seen in the industry and being starting off, you know, being an onsite salesperson for so many years, you know, when the model hours happen, that time is no, like when you're open, open in quotes, like we can't use COVID this time period is the normal, is the barometer. But when model hours are are on, that time is no longer yours. You can't plan anything to really happen during your model hours, because someone can just walk in the door and you have to attend to what they need. And I I really like how you said, like, that's your reactive time. You have to put it on your calendar and then your before your model hours or after your model hours is going to be your proactive time. Because as an onsite salesperson, if you're, you're, you're fooling yourself, if you think that you're, nor, the hours do you work are your actual model hours, right? Like, if you if your models if you if you work if your models are open eleven to six, like that's not a real job. Eleven to six, like it it doesn't work that way. And so I'm sure that you have. I mean, I would assume that you spend a lot of time with your clients and especially on site people, and maybe even. I guess not. Maybe even us. Maybe especially sales management about really, really that time blocking skill and about reactive and proactive. Is it, do do you spend a lot of time talking to man to the leadership about that as well?
0: Absolutely, yeah. So, and you're right. And salespeople get in this thinking, oh, well, I get to sleep in, so I don't have to go to work until eleven o'clock or ten o'clock or whatever the the common area is. I'm telling you, if you think this is a ten to six job, you will not be successful. Don't confuse floor hours with the amount of time it takes to be successful in this business. And for sales managers, I think it's even worse because of a a, a term that I've coined, administrivia. Uh, So sales managers get caught up in so much administrivia that really should be given to an admin person or offloaded to a different department uh, or not even done at all. So that's one of the things in outsourced sales management. You know, I can only do uh, the maximum I will ever commit to any client is 10 hours a week. And I rarely commit to 10 hours a week. It's typically five. So I can manage an entire sales team in five hours a week. But do I get everything done that a a person, a sales manager who was there for 40 hours a week or 70 hours a week, which is usually the case, would get? No, I don't get all that done. I can't. It's physically impossible for me to do that. And we find a way to figure out who the best person for those tasks are. We find a way to automate, uh, to simplify reporting. And so that I can do it. And not only can I do it in the shorter amount of time, but I can do it from a distance because I've been zooming since before zoom was cool. So, you know, so, you sales managers particularly, and when I was uh, in sales management and uh, you know, VP and senior VP, the, one of the things I did the same thing. I had to, I came in early and that was my project time. That's when I got those really important things. You know, Brian Tracy tells us to eat that frog, right? Uh, So the stuff, the unpleasant stuff, the report, I hate spreadsheets, but, you know, I live in spreadsheets. This is what I do in my world. And, you know, I'm not an accounting person, but I have to be, I have to know my numbers. So that was the time that I really focused and I got that stuff done. And then when my models were open, I knew I had to have reactive time for my salespeople. That's, that was my time to be in the field. That was my time to answer those phone calls and to help them with challenges they were having. And then again, about five to seven in the evening, as things started to, to get quieter in the model centers, that's when I could wrap everything up, plan my day for tomorrow, so that I could start strong again or finish up whatever project work I didn't get finished in the morning. And I knew that you know, ten to ten to five, you're also going to have your your meetings with your uh, with your uh, your teams. You're going to have you know all those corporate meetings that you have to have as a manager and so this this works no matter what your position is. So you just maybe your hours are different because of when you have to be proactive, when you have to be reactive.
1: By the way, I love this conversation because you know, it's like all we've been talking about, well, really for a year now is like how to manage through, you know, the the pandemic and now we're talking about how to how to keep, you know, we've got this this plethora of buyers and essentially it's like how do we manage all these people? I absolutely love that we're talking about basics, right? Like always like back to the basic. And, and, you know, as a builder, many moons ago, um, I would like, we would talk, this was 2015, 2016 when we we're which by the way, we thought was one of the best housing markets, right? Ever. (laughs) Little did we know, right? You know, we would what are we going to train on our sales team with our team? Well, we're going to train on the meet and the greet. We're going to train on how to demo. Oh, we're going to train on, you know, we're going to make sure that we have focused time. We called it kind of one of the things that we talked about was having protected time. So if your models opened at eleven, the salesperson had to be at the model home no later than 9 a.m. And so that first hour between nine and ten was protected time and what they were supposed to do between nine and 10 was to actually do their outreach their realtor outreach um you know they're supposed to do lead generation uh and for for prospects um, uh, you know in realtor relationships things like that and then from 10 to 11 the sales manager could actually come out and do one-on-one training and sales process training and things like that so i love that we're talking about this today. I mean, this may seem like, why are we talking about time blocking and time management um, with what we're doing? Like I need an app for that. Like I need something to like automate this. I don't have time to think about this. And this is exactly why we have to make time to talk about our time because if we don't, it's all going to fall apart. Like all this, this great backlog that we have is just going to, it's going to turn into a nightmare, right?
0: it's already turning into a nightmare for many builders and because they sold too far ahead. Uh, they're not throttling their sales, which they need to be throttling right now. They need to be managing and not getting, I've got one client um, and her, her leadership is pushing her to sell more homes. And I'm like, why you can't even build what you have for the next two years. Stop selling. Cause you're just going to resell this stuff and you don't even know what your losses are going to be on these. And yes, we're talking actual losses because we don't know what the price of lumber is. We don't know what our supply side is going to be. And they can't hire fast enough to build this stuff. Plus, they're running out of land. So I'm like, you know, land is a precious resource. We can't squander it right now. So, again, when you slow down, you can think through these things and you can manage your your time. You can manage your business. You can plan better. Uh, whether you are an on-site salesperson or you're a division president or a principal of, uh, a builder. And that's the problem. We, Our business is so reactionary that we forget that we have some control over it. And we should, and we especially should right now because this market is going to change and it's going to change on a dime. And you it, mark my words in 2021, it's already changing. Um, I was talking to Carol Morgan yesterday and we were going through some analytics for some shared clients and, Traffic while still very good, and our online traffic uh, activity is very good, it's not what it was in January. There's already people going, I can't get a home, can't find a home, so I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna sit it out. That's already happening, it's real. So, the economists haven't told you that yet because they have to look at everything in the rearview mirror, but I'm telling you, it's happening.
1: Yeah. All, all the data that we get, all the reports that we get are at, bare, at best 30 days in the past at mm-hmm. best. Right. And most of the time it's 60 days plus, right. You know, cause you're looking at closing data. That's that stuff has to, um, you know, that stuff has to record and that doesn't happen a lot of times instantaneously. And the closing data isn't the leading indicator of what, what's happening. It's, it's, Leads that are coming in, it's conversations that you're having with buyers early in their process. And so, having your finger on the pulse of that side of it is the real leading indicator of of what's happening, in my opinion. So, I think, yeah, but those
2: those builders who can't keep up with the demand, who are overselling and selling too far in advance, they want to see that decrease in traffic to the website because they're not you know, full steam ahead. So that's actually that decrease in traffic to the website, depending on who the builder is, could is not a bad thing. It, it could be reflective of where they are. Do you agree with that or no?
0: I think it could be. But I also think that, you know, again, this market's going to change of course. and we need buyers tomorrow, just like we need them today. You know, we need realtors tomorrow like we need them today. We don't need to be cutting anybody out of the process it just may be a longer process. So I think we need to elongate uh, what we are doing in in that so that we can still nurture those leads and not lose them because there are some builders who have not experienced the same kind of demand as say some of the big publicly traded and uh, you know, they can take on some more and they can help to alleviate a little bit of this, uh, this, this pipeline, but people don't always know how to find those guys, you know? And gals. So, let me say that politically correctly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, what about your personal time? Do you also manage your personal time? Um, do you time block, you know, manage your schedule in that way? Obviously, I know people, you know, there's a lot of conversation about mindfulness and making sure that you take the time you need for yourself to be your best self. Is that, do you consider that like more reactive time? How, how do you manage that side of your life? which is very busy.
0: (laughs) It is very busy. So, yes, I have two children. I have a horse, two dogs. Uh, We've moved twice this year in a pandemic. Yay, that was fun. Uh, (laughs) And then I just moved my horse this weekend. So that was, you know, that's the whole weekend. Uh, I I manage my personal life sort of the same way, except that, you know, it's kind of like that, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So I just kind of take the most pressing things and make sure, again, that I'm putting those in there Uh, I'm not I'll tell that's where I fall off the rails a little bit so you know if I cook dinner for my family three nights a week I think I've done that's great you know I kind of I have to take the pressure off I hire help I do have a housekeeper it's cheaper than therapy (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm like I don't like to do this I get angry because I'm cleaning up after people who are fully capable of cleaning up after themselves so I offload this stuff, you know, and, and so I can manage it. And I think that's important to know what you are are good at, what you're not good at and and go with that. Not that we can't all stretch and, and do some things that we don't like to do. But, you know, there's there's a limit and I can't do it all. And that's hard for me to admit. Um, but you have to get there, I think. So. You know, I do what I can and some nights I come in and I collapse on the couch and I watch Netflix just like the rest of us. You know, that's uh I'd you know love
2: that so much. You just <laughs> you know, gotta do it. <laughs> I I absolutely love that. Um, you know, there are certain chores that you're gonna like doing and they're fine and there are other things that it's okay to ask for help. And I think, you know, I know for me, I you know, I can't be at I can't be an at-home mom and a working mom at the same time. So I definitely relate to that. And I, and I love that.
0: I think if you're, whatever you're doing, be there. I'd really try. So if I'm there with my clients, I like, I put, I shut out everything else. So the rest of you know, I tell everybody I'm going to be off limits. You're not going to be able to get me between these. Apps. So I can truly focus and be there. And I am fortunate that I have a husband who has worked for home from home for years. So he's run a graphic design business from home. So he's had the flexibility. So when I'm traveling, he can run the kids and, you know, now they're old enough to you know, to kind of do themselves. My daughter's going to be getting her learner's permit. That's really scary. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, and the, and my son is in his twenties. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, but over the years, it, it has been really helpful to to have that ability. So, you know, you you got to play to to what works and make, you know, forget stereotypical roles sometimes.
2: Yeah. And I, I do want to just repeat what you just said, because it it speaks to me, you know, wherever you are, be there. Yeah. And I will tell you, like being totally real, sometimes, you know, at home, my husband and I will say to each other, Put your phone down. Like this is, we're you know, we have to actually call each other out on it because there's always an email. There's always something that you could be doing on your phone, but if you know when there are times for different things. So I think that that's um, great advice. Wherever you are, be there.
0: It's a hard thing to do, but mm-hmm. it it certainly makes whatever you're doing much more enjoyable.
2: I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to, that's going to be my go-to.
0: Yeah. My horse really taught me that. My horse has taught me a lot of things in life. So Uh, including last night when I almost had a heart attack because there was literally a Turkey underneath his feet. I saw your
1: post. That was so funny.
0: (laughs) I'm like, Oh my gosh, somebody's going to die. And it, and I don't want it to be either one of them because both of them were in a very precarious situation. You'd think the horse is not in as much, but he was because he was on cross ties. So. Yeah, we really had to, I couldn't be anywhere else, but right there at that moment.
1: <laughs> so I have to ask, are you, do you just have a, a turkey just because you want a turkey or are you like raising a turkey for uh, maybe Thanksgiving?
0: No, we actually moved to, I, I don't live in a place where my horse can live with me. So um, my, I bored him at a barn and I just moved him from one barn to another. And this barn has turkeys and peacocks and a, and a deer. There is a, a a wild deer that li- is the resident deer that lives in the property. Her name's Deborah. I don't know oh. why it's Deborah. It's just Deborah. Uh, but Deborah will eat carrots and like come up to the horses and go nose to nose. She hangs out with the horses. So, but this turkey, they they the people who own the land now inherited the turkey, and the turkey just hangs out with the horses too. But she decided last night while my horse was on the cross ties, uh, which means that two for those of you who aren't horse people means that. You've got two uh, leads hanging on both sides of his halter. Uh, so he really, he can't turn around. So it's like you'd put them in where you're going to wash them or whatever. It just keeps them from being able to turn around. And I walked away for a minute to go get something, came back, and there's literally a turkey underneath his front feet. And as I tried to shoo her away, she decided to just lie down underneath his feet. And I, I can't believe he was so calm because he he just got there three days ago. Turkeys are not something he's ever seen. So he's just like, oh, okay, we're doing this. There's a turkey at my feet. So thank goodness I was able to maneuver him out of a way because I could not get this stupid turkey to move. And then the kid who came from, who lives there, come, comes over and just picks up the turkey and moves her. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know we could do that. You can pick up the turkey. I wouldn't <laughs> who <knew>? do it. <laughs> I was afraid I, of getting beat, you know, the, that beak. I was afraid of getting the bit.
1: They'll, they'll kick you and they have, that, yeah. they have that spur on the bottom of their feet. Like that's no joke. It'll do some damage. That right. would freak
0: me out. Oh, so yeah. I thought we were having fresh turkey for dinner last night.
2: Oh goodness! <laughs> I bet bad. they're gonna become they're gonna become best friends. We're gonna have the saga of the horse and the turkey.
0: When she starts riding him, we're gonna that'll be <laughs> <laughs> not that good. Be,
1: uh, that that makes for good social media content, right there.
0: It does. Yeah, I got a lot of I uh, got a lot of fodder on that last night. That's right. That's right. <laughs>
2: So we've gotten a lot of really great insights. I know you have a lot more that you can share with us is our, you know we've been talking about time management. Um, you know we haven't even really gotten into goal setting all those things. so I, I want you to have a chance to give us some of these um, things that help you manage and help your clients manage uh, their business. So I want to make sure we we g- give you a chance to talk about those things. <laughs>
0: So, well, just very quickly, because I know we've gone through a lot, and I know we're uh, short on time here. But you know, we always talk about goals. We talk about goal setting and setting smart goals, right? So, you know, give yourself a time frame that's reasonable, and set your goals. I think I'm I'm all about reach for the stars, but figure out the mini goals that help you get there. You know, so that you can, if you set your goal too high, too far. Without setting some mini goals so you can have those wins and celebrate as you make those strides, I think it can be very discouraging, at least it is for me. Um, so I always encourage okay, what is, okay, this is great. This is the goal we wanna achieve. I wanna make, you know, I wanna make uh, $500,000 this year. Okay, great. I wanna make $100,000 this year. I wanna make seventy five It doesn't matter what it is, whatever that number is. And then, but how, what does it look like? So how many sales do I need to get there? And how many closings does that equate to? And I'm gonna celebrate, and then I we work on I work on a principle with my sales teams and my business, my builders called 10521. And it's how we break this down into little micro chunks. So 10 is the number of traffic that each salesperson needs on average. Uh, that isn't always the case. I've got a builder in Rochester, New York. If we get two a week, we are doing a happy dance, but they're very qualified. So we know that we're still going to be able to hit our sales goals if we get two really qualified leads. So that number I don't focus on as much. But on average, a salesperson, we know that it takes 10 leads uh, for them to have a 10% conversion rate. Five first appointments a week. Two second be-back appointments. That second, third, fourth appointment, if it takes that. Today, if you have a second, third, fourth appointment, it's a miracle because if people aren't buying sight unseen or putting in offers or, you know, I mean, they know they have to react and they have to react quickly. But again, this market's going to change. So we can't lose these principles. So 10 traffic, five first appointments, two be back appointments equals one sale per week. And this is really simple. So that's 50 sales a year, because I do believe that, you know, at least you're taking a two week vacation a year. So there's 52 weeks in the year. Easy math. So one sale per week is 50, uh, is 50 sales a year per salesperson. And most builders are completely thrilled if they have a salesperson who is doing 50 sales a year. So we can throttle that. We can, we can you know, I've, I, I've actually been brought in to slow down sales before. Uh, so we can throttle that too and adjust it based on land and land constraints. Uh, or we can ramp it up and it can go beyond that. But if you're following those basic principles, then your cash flow is is where you need it to be. Because if you are selling on a consistent basis, then you're starting homes on a consistent basis. And if you're starting homes on a consistent basis, you're closing homes on a consistent basis, which means your cash flow will be there consistently to help you plan and manage your business. So you know, with that in mind, we start with the bigger picture and we work our way backwards with the goals. And set those little mini goals along the way so that we can actually have those celebrations every week, every month, every quarter, and every year when uh, as we get there. And I find that, you know, that that motivational accountability really is not an oxymoron because people love to achieve their goals. Um, so take the time to set them, I guess would be my big thing. Be flexible. And my Achilles heel, factor in some life happens times because it will happen and it's a domino effect when it does and things do go wrong and things go off course. And so, you know, always think that everything's going to take longer than what you plan. I know it does for me. So I guess that would be my very wrapped up, succinct, put a bow on it information. Is that,
2: you know, that is such good advice and it, it really is not limited just to our industry you know i'm as you're sitting here talking about goals that's exactly what we do at group 2 you know we set our big picture goals and then we have smaller you know check-ins and um that's something that matt had helped you know set up when he first started at group 2 and you know that's great business advice in general um so i i love that and uh I also love life happens and it's not just for leaders. Life happens for everyone on the team. And I think having a place where you you know that and you're able to support other you know, everyone on the team knowing that life happens, um, and coming from a, a place of you know, kindness about that and and empathy, I think is important too for leaders to remember.
0: It's very important. And you know, every day is an opportunity to to start fresh. So You can't change the past. Nobody has that power. The only thing you can control is what you're doing right now. So if I have, I like to reward that, reward right behaviors, what I say. So, you know, if you've got somebody who's really working at it, uh, help them. They'll get there if they're really working at it and they're really focused on it. Um, But if I've got somebody who's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do it my way. Now that, see, that's a whole different ballgame for me. So, you know, you're either on, you're, you're either on the team or you're not, you know, you're, you're, you gotta be, everybody's gotta be rowing in the same direction.
2: I love it. So if people want to get in touch with you, how can they reach out to you? Uh, What's, you know, is it your website, social media? What's the best way to get in touch with you?
0: They can just Google Kimberly Mackey. Um, If they forget my company, they can go to KimberlyMackey.com. It'll take them right to my website, which is New Home Solutions. Uh, two s's in the middle new homes solutions um, so it, you know you it's easy to find me so you know again uh, you know either one of those uh, they can email me at kmaci at new homes solutions so uh, i'm happy to i'm happy to help and and you know m- meet with people i meet with people for free i do a, a i offer a free 1 hour consultation so Uh, And I don't hold back on my advice. I'll give you advice. And if I can help you in an hour, we're done. It doesn't
2: cost you a thing. So there you go. Get your free hour. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I like it. We're going to put that in the show notes. It's
0: strong.
1: How do do people find you? And you say, just Google me.
2: I love it. Didn't you start by saying you don't like Google and Gmail, (laughs) but just Google me. Just
0: Google me. I have, G- I have Gmail for business. I love it. I just see, yeah, I can't live in my Gmail. It just makes me crazy. I have to click too many places.
2: <laughs> I, I don't want a lot of clicks. Oh, don't I, get I mad started Gmail. on Gmail.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: I hate it.
2: I love it. So uh, this was really helpful. We appreciate your time and appreciate just you in general and everything you add to the industry and lots of really good information here. So thank you so much
0: well thank you guys it's always a pleasure and i I hope i was helpful today and um you know let's do some more stuff in the future together
2: sounds good
1: absolutely thanks kimberly